Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in my office at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad to be with you today. Grab your Bibles here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to dive right into 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're nearing the end of this great letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And we've seen some great and marvelous things and the Lord is going to show us even more. And I'm excited about it. I want to take a moment first to thank you all for uh, your giving to this ministry, for us to be able to do uh, what the Lord has called us to do and you becoming a part of that work. I'm thankful for that, for every single penny that comes into this ministry to help us to send Bibles into the prison system, to help us to go and to be a blessing to others, uh, just to help us. And I believe the Lord has called us to even... uh, plant churches, but we have to wait on the Lord, and we, we have one in in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, that Pastor Colton Hill and his wife Casey are pastors of there, and uh, we're thankful for what the Lord is doing in Wichita Falls, Texas. We also support a work in the Philippines. Sister Ivy is doing a marvelous, great work there, preaching and teaching God's Word in the context of the cross of Jesus Christ there. Wonderful things going on. So again, thank you for sowing in to good ground here at Crossway Church where the focus is the gospel. The focus is Christ. And it has to be the cross if it's going to be really a focus of Christ. The focus has to be the cross. And I'm thankful for all of you soldiers of the cross and all of you uh, who are tuned in watching every Friday at 9 a.m. We're here. You can watch these sessions later uh, at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can watch on the YouTube channel. Curtis Hutchinson 316 and uh, praise God for all the avenues the Lord has given us to publish His Word and we're just so excited about that and all of you who become a part of that by praying for us and by sowing financially into this work. Uh, Also, uh, determined camp meeting this October the 7th through the 10th there in Dublin, Georgia at Crossway Fellowship. Uh, there, uh, Pastor Scotty Williams, pastoring a wonderful group of people there, and we will uh, meet again as we did last year there in Dublin, Georgia. Again, October the 7th through the 10th. You're not going to experience anything like it if you're one of those that the Lord has been able to bring back to Calvary. It's, it's a group of people that would follow, have followed Paul in his day, who are becoming determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. It's not a group of people who are better than anybody. It's not a group of people that think they know everything and more than everybody else. No, it's just simply a group of people who have been through many trials and turmoils and hardships and have been brought back to the place where they found the Holy Spirit working in their lives, the place he began that work at the cross, the place Paul returned to after realizing that he was still an old wretched man after he was born again unless he was looking at Christ and what he did at Calvary. And that's what this group of folks, it's not excluding anyone, it's an invitation to all whosoever will come back to the place, that narrow path of Calvary, the focus of the cross, the focus of 
Calvary, the focus of what God did in His Son at the cross. Not all the hype and all the things today that are in the church, but simply come back to that lowly place, that place where a people are found as contrite before the Lord, trusting alone in what Christ did at Calvary, that place, learning to see Christ and Him crucified in all the Scriptures. You don't have to force it. It's written. It's all written in red. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's all written in red. Jesus is the first, the last, and if anything is going to be done that will have a memory to it, that will have a reward for it, it will be including Jesus. He will be involved only because of what he did at Calvary. So excited to know that today. So God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Again, this is our second Timothy teaching. We're in chapter 4. This is session 5 on this ninth day of April 2021. Get your Bible and let's look at some powerful things in God's Word today. I believe He's going to impart something in our hearts today that's needed, something that will help us, uh, convict us, uh, maybe not of sin, but of maybe a, 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 a bring the instruction of the Lord. That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit also, not just of sin, but of righteousness, that righteous way, and of judgment, that we might have proper judgment. Hallelujah. And I'm just believing the Lord today to give us that bread of life that will sustain us. And even while the teaching is going on, that some of you listening will be healed in your bodies. Hallelujah. I'm talking about while we're here participating, eating the bread of life that the Lord Jesus Christ, His hands of healing will touch you. Some of you will be delivered by the power of His great and mighty name. Today, during this broadcast, some of you will have a change of mind that will that will result from repentance from some wrong ways of thinking and today during this teaching session the lord his sword of the spirit his sword of truth is going to cut through some of the dark and hazy, cloudy places that's uh, uh, causing us not to have the clarity that we need. And he's going to pierce through that today and break some chains simply by our faith in Christ and his powerful work at Calvary. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil... Paul tells Timothy this, The Lord reward him according to his works. Now most today in the church only want to hear of what their pastor is warning of, and that being Islam and uh, sometimes Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism and those things that are obviously not biblical, obviously not Christian. Even though they may claim they are, they're obviously not in accordance to the Word of God. But they don't mind their preacher warning as long as it just isn't a lot. Warning, listen, if you've not stepped into the place yet to where you see the Bible, really all of the Bible is really a promise of what God's people can have, and a warning to them to guard their heart because it can all be lost. I want you to know, 
the entirety of the Bible, the first words spoken to man were really a commandment. That's what it says there in Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God commanded the man, the command, you are free to eat of all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. First word spoken by God. Promise, blessing, and warning. And if you get tired of being warned, and if you don't take serious the warnings that you're hearing, even though they're not coming from your preacher or the preacher you watch or the, listen to, if it, you better... You better stop and be still and get the Word of God off the bookshelf and make sure that that warning isn't directly for you. Because Paul says in the last days, they're not going to endure sound doctrine. The church, the world don't even, they've never began in sound doctrine. The church, the saved, born again, spirit-filled, men, women, boys, and girls are the only one who can stop enduring sound doctrine because they're the only ones who've stepped into sound doctrine. Don't listen to anybody else that makes something up with their own uh, words of men's wisdom that try to tell you, well, it's really, it's not the church. Oh, yes, it's the church. You can't endure something you've never began in. And today, you have church groups that want to get together for the sake of unity, but just don't talk about doctrine because that's where we disagree. Well, if we disagree in doctrine, we can't get together in unity. You understand that? If we're not enduring sound doctrine, then how can we endure together in unity? That's why there's so many different denominations and denominational names and all these different avenues today because we've got to have our own tower of that which we're building. Oh, now we say God's building it, but oh no, if God was building it, we wouldn't need any names. We just let the Lord build His church. Amen. But here we're going to see in this lesson today that Paul, his last letter from a prison cell to Timothy, I think he would have written to more folks if there would have been more to write to. Mm, boy, that's a thought, isn't it? Watch this now. Paul's not scared. Paul doesn't not warn about those, even calling by name those who are against what he's preaching. Not because they made a mistake, not because they uh, have a little uh, mixed company, but we'll see what caused Paul to call them out. Watch very carefully. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him to his works, according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he has greatly withstood our words. Now, I, I want you to see that. This, this Alexander the coppersmith, he had and was standing against that which Paul preached. He didn't just leave Paul and go back to his old normal way of life. He, he didn't just leave Paul and, and go get tied up in some other ministry and, 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 and just sit there and... No, no. He withstood. He stood against. He uprose. Apparently somebody in the community, he was, a, he was known by everybody. He was the coppersmith, the one that made the brass, the instruments, the, the things that fit. Everybody got broke stuff come to Alexander. And because he thought he was spiritual... 
He moved away from that which Paul preached, the message of the cross that Jesus and what he did at Calvary is the only way to take away sins, live in victory, to see the gift of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Come on now. Alexander wasn't going for that. And Paul, he doesn't exclude, he doesn't hold back from warning others about specific individuals who've rebelled against the message of the cross of Christ. It's not just because they Alexander went and did something that didn't look right. It's because he actually stood against the words Paul preached. He, he began to actually preach something different and took a stand against Paul that Paul's wrong. I'm right, he's wrong. Not against anything he was doing. Somebody needs to hear this today. But Paul had to call him out because what he was teaching now was contrary to what Paul was preaching and teaching. Now, this is not the first time Alexander the coppersmith is mentioned. The very first letter written to Timothy let me go down here, pull it up. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, 19, and 20. This is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This I charge you, this, I, this charge, this command I commit unto you, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare. Timothy's being warned. We covered this in the first chapter of, of the first letter. You're in a warfare. If you don't know that, you're in big trouble. But he tells him that he needs to hold faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, now, hold it. We think blaspheming the Lord is this, that, or the other, but we're going to see here that to depart from the faith to begin to tell anybody that the cross is really not the answer for everything is blasphemy. Whoever departs from the faith, whoever departs from sound doctrine, that's blasphemy. Let's read it again, verse 20, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, what, about, what, what is it about them? They put away concerning faith this good conscience, and they put this, this good conscience away concerning faith, their faith became shipwreck. Your faith can become shipwreck, my friend. Don't follow that teaching that says, well, they never were saved. That, see, that makes them the judge, who they think they are to judge. They're not a judge. God's the judge. The whole New Testament's about Christ and what He came to do and what we can have, the benefits, the blessings, if we trust in Him and follow Him, 
And on every page of your Bible is warning after warning after warning. This message to Timothy we're looking at today is a warning for him to hold faith, to stay strong, to keep enduring, to be aware of these people who are preaching against what they're preaching. Say, what Paul's preaching is not right. All this cross stuff, all this Jesus only stuff, all this, if your faith's not in the cross, then God's not. No, 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 no. To preach against what Paul preached. which is the way of the cross, to not believe that the cross answers all things, to not believe that Calvary covered it all is blasphemy. If we depart from the... Let's read it again. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now catch the good part here. Catch the good part here. It not only shows that it's blasphemy to go against the way of the cross, but it also, there's some hope in here that there's still an opportunity to learn even though it's through a hard way by finding out the hard way that we have been blaspheming. Notice, that they might learn See, God doesn't throw them away. Paul didn't throw them away. He turned them over, delivered them unto Satan that they might learn not to blaspheme. Now, the way they're going to learn not to blaspheme is not that Paul doesn't mention them in a letter. Oh, just don't say anything about them. Oh, just let God deal with it. No, that's not how it works, my friend. God has to be the one to convict. God has to be the one to offer to grant them repentance after they acknowledge the truth, come back to the truth. Not in the cross was for their salvation, but the cross is for their daily victory, daily grace, daily bread, everything. We've got to deny ourselves every day, take up our cross again today, which is faith in His cross, to be able to follow Jesus. No cross, no following Christ. No, no cross, no disciple of Christ. Disciple means learner. And that means we're going to have to learn the hard way. See, there's good news in this. Paul turned these two men that apparently had been with him in ministry with him, helping him publish the Word of God with him, but turned away and went another way. Like we've experienced it through the last several years, this hyper-grace, grace revolution thing rushed in because the message of the cross began to permeate inside the church again, the way of victory, the way that God works by the power of His Holy Spirit through faith in the cross alone. So what happens? The devil raises up a, a hyper-grace. It calls it the grace revolution. Just an attack on the message of the cross. That's all it was. And people left the focus of Calvary and now they say they didn't, but they did. And they left the focus of Calvary and those who are determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified and started joining the ranks of those preaching against it. And then one guy even told me that if you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you, you're not going to be able to preach the cross like you need to. And so... But you know, that was a few years ago and here I am today and where they are, I don't know. 
But here I am preaching the power of the gospel that the Lord gave Paul to give us so we might share it also. Hallelujah. But there's good news in these who are turned over, delivered unto Satan. It's for learning. That tells me there's still hope for those who've left the faith. There's still hope for those. There's still an opportunity to learn. Don't mean they will. Don't mean they will. But it means there's, there's hope. And that should be our prayer, those who've forsaken, those that we watch even today presently begin to intermix with those who they've come out from before. But now they're intermixing. There's a danger there. And there's something rooted in that that, that that men are after and not God. For God would not bring us out to, to send us back into anything He's brought us out of unless it's with the sword of the Spirit as He told Moses that came down the mountain in Exodus 32 to ask the people who's on the Lord's side. One tribe out of... Twelve came out, the Levites, but not all the Levites came out. Because as soon as those of the Levites did come out, Moses said, now go back in with your sword and destroy your companions, your brothers, those, those of the Levites that, that didn't come out with you. See, God's cleaning house and He's cleaning house today. He's cleaning house today. Who's on the Lord's side? God's desire is that even though we've turned away, we come back. And if we've never been to the cross for the way of victory and we still think our victory is in this and, and this and all these things we think God will give victory through other than the victory Christ paid for through His death at Calvary and our faith in that, then we're not coming back. We're going to be those that we not only not endure sound doctrine, but actually they've been turned over. They've been turned over already by the Lord. Paul says, unto Satan. Yet, it's for hopefully they will learn not to blaspheme. It's blasphemy to say anything against the way of the cross. To say they're making too much of the cross. That's a big problem with the Lord. The Lord made more out of the cross than we will ever imagine in all eternity. I want to say that again. The Lord God Almighty, the Creator, made more out of the, makes more out of the cross than we will ever make out of it. All things new that are eternal came through the cross. Get that. We can't make too much of the cross. And we got folks going around saying, you don't have to say the cross all the time. No, there's no power in the word cross, but the message of the cross, the power of Christ that, that is offered to us through His death. That's the power. Hallelujah. That's the avenue through which the power comes. Jesus warned of the Pharisees in His own day. John the Baptist had his head cut off for, for pointing out sin in certain individuals' lives, preaching the kingdom. Ministers today who are true ministers of the Lord will not only share the truths of God's Word, but they will warn. Paul said, we preach, we warn, we teach. Warning is a part of true ministry. Where you find those that don't warn, their teaching and preaching lacks very much because they're afraid they will offend someone. 
The message of the cross will always be an offense to the flesh. True ministry, true ministers will always warn, not just of other religions, that's obvious to the Christian, but true ministers of righteousness, ministers, those that have been enabled by God to be ministers of the new covenant, righteousness of the Spirit, will always warn of everything being ministered that's not pointing to Calvary. The warning will be there. There are many today catching a hold of this great truth that on every page of your Bible, you won't open a page in your Bible where you won't find some type of warning from the Lord through those who wrote what you're reading. And when you come back to Calvary, you're going to see that. You're not going to see it till you come back to Calvary. If we're not going to point out false doctrine in those who are teaching it, then we only allow the people of God to mix what they think the way of victory is and what they think the way of God's righteousness is. You let people come into church and they're hearing preaching of the truth of God's word, but there's no warning against those things that are wrong. Then they think that they can just mix what they're hearing with what they came in believing. And apparently God thinks it's important enough to warn. Paul said we preach, we warn, and we teach. And if the horrible things are going to be happening and are happening, my friend, that Paul said in the last days would be happening, who are we to sit by and think that we're not called to bring the warning? But we also have to hear the warning for our own selves. God has to warn us. I'll never forget leaving the church I was in. And when I got out, I said, thank you, Lord, for getting me out of there. Those people, they're all wrong. And... uh the moment I spoke those words, the Lord spoke to me and said, you are as wrong as they are. You know why he told me that? Because I began to notice and figure out, I began to see the Lord showing me, I didn't figure it out, the Lord showed me all this false doctrine, these unbiblical things that were being taught. And I agreed with the Lord, these things are not biblical. But at the same time, although I didn't agree with what they were teaching, I was still teaching certain things we had to do for victory, to have a move of God. And it was all wrong. It's all wrong. If it doesn't, if it's not faith in the cross of Christ, it's wrong. If it's not the Word of God in the context of Christ and what He provided through His death at Calvary, it's wrong. Psalms 33, 4 says, The word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. If all God's works are done in truth, that means there are none done outside of truth. Everything God does is in truth. He is truth. And I know some translations say all God's works are done in faithfulness, but when you click on the word, it's just a translation of the word truth. All of God's works are done in truth. And let me say this today for those of you who are listening to me. At this very moment, all things are serving God. 
the grass, the sun, the moon, the devil, the demons, the air we breathe, everything is serving God. But only those created in His image who are forgiven of their sins and born again and following Christ through faith in the cross alone can be, be, can be being changed into His image going from glory to glory bearing the fruits of Christ, the fruits of His righteousness. That is serving God too and that is limited to those who are born again and continue to hold fast to that confidence and great hope we have in Christ to the end by trusting in what He did for us at Calvary. I hope you get that. Everything is serving God's purpose in some way. But only the people of God who are the born-again people of God, faith in the cross of Christ, following Christ, can be being changed into that image. The devil, the grass, the moon, everything else is not being changed into that very image of the one that saved us. Only us, the church, the born-again church. We need to hear that because the church can think that whatever they're doing, well, we're all serving God. We're just serving Him this way. Hear me today. Read Romans chapter 6. The first thing God made you when you were saved was free from sin. The second thing He made you is a servant of righteousness because outside of serving Him by serving righteousness, we can't serve Him. And we can only serve righteousness if our faith is in what it was in that made us a servant of righteousness. Powerful, powerful teaching. Sound, very sound doctrine. When you say, well, I'm not... You're moving away from sound doctrine. You're not enduring sound doctrine. Maybe you're one who's never really known sound doctrine other than you were saved by the blood of Jesus but now you're in a church that's looking for some something that we can find now to see the power of God ushered into our church it's still the cross my friend it's still the cross it's the preaching of that message is the power of God you're looking for and when we turn away from that to some other avenue then we're golden calf builders. It's something we're doing then instead of simple faith in what Christ did. But Paul tells Timothy in chapter 15 that you need to be aware of this, Timothy, because he's greatly withstood our words. Now, now understand this. Paul is telling Timothy... You need to be aware of this, Timothy. Paul, listen, we'll see it in a moment. Just about everybody's forsaken Paul. He's in jail, and some ministers need to hear this today. If you're looking for folks that can only benefit you financially, folks that can only benefit you because they have a bigger platform, you wouldn't have had anything to do with Paul. You wouldn't have had anything to do with Paul because there's no benefit coming. He's in prison <coughs> today. 
We have to be very careful that we're not found associating ourselves with those that can only be a benefit to our name, a benefit to our big this or big that, a benefit to some level we think we're on, a benefit financially. Listen, if we find ourselves there, we would have been in the group that forsook Paul because Paul doesn't have anything to offer except more of this truth and warnings that will help us to guard against those who are caught up in all those other things. Oh, there's a big transition in the Spirit today. It's not what today's prophets and apostles say it is. There's a big movement right now. There's a big movement right now. God is calling those of His own people out from among the golden calf builders. Some have come out only to go back in. Not with a sword though, the sword of truth, the word of God, based on what they've learned to this truth. See, when Moses called people out from the golden calf builders in Exodus 32 and sent them back in with a sword, it was to slay them physically. God's called his people out from the golden calf, calf builders today to take the sword of the Spirit, the word of the Lord, this great truth of the cross, back in among their family members, co-workers, church members, to share this truth. We have to be willing to come out from among them first and then to go back in with the truth. Not to go back in without the truth. We have to go back in with the truth. Come on now. Paul tells Timothy, this Alexander the coppersmith has done me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. That's Paul's prayer. Oh, oh. He's telling Timothy, the Lord's going to reward him according to his works because he's what he's done. What's he done? He's greatly withstood our words. Those that preach the message of the cross bring the warning of the Lord. I'm just going to give you a warning today. Don't be caught saying negative things about them. Now, I'm not talking about the, the people who are out there bashing people, bashing character, bashing. I'm talking about the people who are out there preaching the message of the cross and warning against that which is not the message of the cross. Don't be negatively saying anything about them because when you do, you're going to find yourself in a bad place. But there's a big movement right now. There's a big movement in the church. Oh, my goodness. People are waking up. This big reformation that started 24 years ago when the Lord gave this, uh, this, this He enlightened Brother Swaggart of what's written in the Word concerning sanctification. That it's faith not only in the cross for initial salvation, but faith in the cross alone for daily sanctification. The experience of that justification, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the ministerial power that we need hallelujah, for changing our lives, through which everything comes, faith in the cross. It's only been 24 years, and some of us expect everybody to already get it. No, people are still just now looking, just now seeing, just now hearing. So let us stand our ground, even though our words are, are, are stood against by many, let us stand our ground. Even though many have joined us and only turned away, and, and although many have come out of the mess and to, to only be playing around in it again, let us stay our ground and keep running our race, our course, fighting the good fight of faith, keeping this faith, keeping 
this faith. Hallelujah. I'm just going to take a moment to write that down right there. Oh, hallelujah. I got to write that down so I don't forget that because the Lord is, is uh, ministering to me uh, uh, something very great uh, coming soon uh, for all of us after we get out of Second Timothy. It's a series I'm going to begin uh, discussing faith. And see, there's nothing like a study in God's Word. Hold it. A study in God's Word through faith in the cross. There's where the revelation pours in. There's where the illumination of God's Word pours in. There's where the eyesight is taking place, my friends. And I'm excited. I'm so excited about what the Lord is showing me. He's, it's all in the Word. It's all in the Word. Nothing new. I mean, and people say, do you mind if I use that, Brother Curtis? Listen, whatever I say, you go ahead and use it and don't even have to use my name. You don't have to use my name. If it's something that's true, if it's going to bless somebody, go ahead and use it. It's not mine anyway. It's the Lord's. We read what Paul wrote, but it really was the Lord speaking through Paul. We don't have to worry about all these he coined this phrase, he coined that phrase. Listen, if it's truth and it's blessing somebody, listen, it ain't mine, it ain't yours, it's the Lord's and He's just giving it to us. We're channels, we're vessels for these things to flow through. Hallelujah. And there's more and more people going to come on board in these last days when they find themselves in that desperate place and all these false doctrines and programs and conferences and, and, and all these things they've, they've focused on. it. The power's not there. The, the victory's not there. And they're going to start trinkling. They're going to keep trinkling out of that. Now granted, some are going to come and get a little taste and because of their husband or wife or family members or that position they had over in that church it was more precious to to them than this trip. They're going to go away, but there's going to be some that come on board and they're going to grab a hold and the truth's going to grab a hold of them and they're going to finish this race in this truth with us. They're going to keep this faith. Hallelujah. They're going to keep right alongside of this precious faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And they're going to begin to preach and to warn and to from a prison cell. Don't be, don't be comparing ourselves among ourselves, only getting hooked up with those who are at some same financial level, on some same level of fame, and on some, uh-uh-uh, we on the same level at Calvary. That's where we walk together in unity at Calvary. That's where we can benefit from each other at Calvary. Hallelujah. Everything else got to go. Everything else got to go. The doors are wide open for all to come. You need to know that. The doors are wide open for all to come. God's calling whosoever will to come and drink of the waters of life freely. And I'm telling you, there is no God excluding anybody, but He only saves those that come to Christ to through faith in the blood He shed. He only works within the hearts of those who are trusting in Christ and what He did at Calvary to be being conformed into that image. You say, but wait a minute. Paul said that Alexander might learn not to blaspheme. Yeah. Go, having to go through things in his life that he wouldn't have to go through if he just stayed in the faith that Paul taught of the Spirit of God. See, when we're not living in the faith, Oh, we might be as faithful, my Lord, we might be as faithful to a local church and a preacher and to give money 
But that don't mean we're in the faith. And if we're not in the faith, that's why the marriage is like it is. That's why the kids, ain't mu they're not much different. A little bit different, better than what we went through. But, but they, listen, if we're not in the faith, we're going to end up with the excuses, well, ain't nobody perfect, and we're not going to be like him here until we see him. Those are all factual statements, but my friend, there's no life in facts. The life is only found in the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus did at Calvary. Life, listen, faith don't come by facts. Desperation, more desperation, and heartache come by facts, excuses, instead of just coming back to Calvary. Glory to God. Just come back to the cross, my friend. You'll find what you're looking for there because there's where God offered everything to you, but you got to walk with your faith in that sacrifice. The Bible says in Psalms 85, 13 that righteousness went before Him, Christ, and has set us in His footsteps. God's not leading anybody in anything other than the way of His righteousness, which is a holy commandment, Peter says in 2 Peter 2.21. It's better that you never knew the way of righteousness than have known it and turned away from it he says, known it and turned away from the holy commandment. So Paul's warning Timothy here. He wants him to be aware that he's greatly withstood our words. And Paul here is in verse 16 is referring back to his, his time of trial before they threw him in, in the jail house. Watch, he says in verse 16, at my first answer, and that means defense. At his first opportunity, at his first time to, to, of defense, no man stood with me. Well, he's already told Timothy here that all those in Asia have forsaken him. Now he's listing certain people here, Alexander and Hymenaeus in his letters here to Timothy, they've forsaken him. He says, at my first answer, in my first defense, on trial... No man, none stood with me. Why? Why? Because Paul, we got, we got to see this today. Paul couldn't offer anybody anything in his position other than the truth of the gospel. If that becomes what you're after, it doesn't matter if the man's in jail, if he's living out there in a cardboard box. It doesn't matter if he lives out there between two trees, if he's got the word of the truth of the gospel. I've said it for many years that if I showed up here on a Sunday morning and said, okay, folks, we're going to sell everything we've got. We're going to start meeting out there behind the abandoned old bowling alley. We're going to start using all the funds that come in to, just to go out and do these things and do these things. and, and, and just uh, We're going to still stay the course of the cross. We're not going to preach anything else. But we're selling all of our property in nice, luscious building. We're going to start meeting out there under the, the shade trees behind the old broke down, gone out of business bowling alley. You'd be amazed by the next Sunday how many people would have heard from God and said they, 
God's moving them over here to this other church. Oh, we're so... I didn't say you. I said we are so fleshly. Paul's in prison still moved on by the Holy Spirit to write these letters that have blessed countless millions throughout the ages, given by the Lord Himself to Paul to give, not just to Timothy, not just the folks he was pastoring there in Ephesus, but to you and me today. Where are we going to be found in this story? Are we still with what God gave Paul in these words of warning? To, to stay the course, to, to, to not move away from the place of being determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, to realize that God's Word through Paul says God forbids that we boast in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ, that which has separated us from the world, crucified us unto the world and the world unto us. Hallelujah! God's bringing the people back to that place. And whether they have a, a big building or luscious, this or luscious, it makes no difference if they have anything to offer you other than the gospel. People drive by the little storefront churches and say, oh, bless their little darling hearts. One, one day they may be a real church. I got news for you, my friends. If they're inside and they're preaching the cross of Jesus Christ, saying you can be full of the Holy Ghost and, and, and God be found working in you in ministerial avenues and, and you're trusting in that shed. I'm not talking about saying you are. I'm talking about they're opening the Bible and expounding Christ, the one who is the living Word of God that said the Word of God, the Scriptures were about Him. Then you've got the power of God in there. The power is not in all the, the things we see. The power is not even our, in our presentation of the Gospel. The power is in the gospel alone. Alone. We can, we can be speaking the words of the gospel in today's church and, the, and, and, and another man get up and speak the very same words, but he's jumping up and down, spinning circles. And because he's doing that, people will get involved. I'm not saying we shouldn't jump and spin circles. We ought to if we're, if we're really seeing what Christ has really accomplished for us and we're learning that truth in the Word of God, we ought to be jumping higher than anybody and spinning bigger circles than anybody. But my point is, what are we really going after? What are we really after when we find a local church? What are we really after when we're listening to a preacher? Because a lot of people leave church on Sundays and say, that was a great message. That was a powerful message. And really, in God's eyes, it was only a man putting on a show. Because the show God wants to demonstrate the picture God wants us to see is His righteousness. Proverbs 12 and 17, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Remember Psalms 85, 13. Write it down, hang it on the refrigerator, put it on your mirror in the bathroom. Righteousness went before Him, our Lord, and has set us in His steps. That's the picture God wants us to see that He made us righteous in Christ. He made us servants of that righteousness. He created us in righteousness, Ephesians 4.24, and we can serve Him 
and bear forth the fruits of His righteousness if our faith stays in the cross alone. Paul didn't have anything any longer to offer. I don't guess he really ever did, but now he's locked up. But, he, but he's still offering the truth to Timothy. He's still offering the warnings that will help. Paul says that my first answer, my first defense in my trial, nobody showed up, showed up to stand with me. But all men forsook me. Let me say this about the Apostle Paul, his ministry. The more we preach Christ and Him crucified, which the Bible says that's the true minister's message. At the end of our ministries, at the end of our lives, there's a great opportunity. Maybe more than a great opportunity, but a a, a, a bona fide reality that just like in Paul's day, there's not going to be many standing with you. And this is very few years after Christ had lived. That, and the message, the truth of how to live in victory given to Paul, it is a narrow way. Not, not to exclude anyone. The size of it is not what God's talking about in the narrowness of it. The narrowness of the truth simply means there's only one, one way. Not only in, but through this life to continue to enter on into the ministry. I'm, I'm sorry, the kingdom. To enter on into the kingdom, which the book of Acts says is going to be with much tribulation. Paul says, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. But now he's already said here that the Lord reward him according to his works. And that may be a little, it may not be a prayer, it may be just a reality because we are all going to be rewarded based on the works that are there. If they're only our works, and they are, if our faith is not in the cross, and even though we say our faith is in the cross, when we're telling men they've got to do these three things for deliverance, that proves to God our faith is not in the cross. Our faith is in these three things we think we have to do. Oh, I know we bring our wisdom in and say, yeah, it's, it's all because of the cross. Now God's given us these three things. God's giving you one thing. See, there's the narrowness of it. There is the narrowness of it. God's not giving you Christ and Him crucified and anything else for salvation and deliverance and maturity. He's only giving us all, the world, Christ and Him crucified. We need to know that. A program, something else that men say God gave them that will help us have the power to live, to, to be delivered. It's something we're doing. Even the things we're called to be found walking in in the Scriptures, if our faith gets moved from Jesus and what He did at Calvary to these things we're called to do, if we're doing them for victory, then that's us thinking we can work with that mindset. Oh, it's back here. It's not up here. A lot of things go on back here, but God sees this and this. We're working 
thinking that if I do these things, now God has got to pay me for what I've done. He's got to do it. And, and, and there is blessings for walking in accordance to the truth of the Word. But it has to be an obedient heart. And God, God sees only those who are trusting in Christ's obedience unto death as obedient. That's why Paul could tell the church in Galatia in chapter 3 of Galatians, who's bewitched you? How is it that you're no longer found obeying the truth? And it's simply because they had reverted back and were reverting back to faith in circumcision, faith in the feasts, the holidays. I want you to grab a hold of that. I know that most of you listening to me have heard these things. You know these things, but how many people that you know do not? That's why it's important to hit the share button. That's why it's important to strive to share these truths that God has given you, given us, who are walking, who He's been able to bring back to this, this, this way of righteousness, the way of Christ's steps. Psalms 85, 13. You need to read it, learn it, write it down. The way of righteousness is the holy commandment. That's why Paul uses words like in Romans 6, you've obeyed that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. The gospel is the holy command of God unto righteousness. It is the holy commandment, a way of righteousness. It's not just an option. It is a command. And when you believe the gospel, God says now you've obeyed that commandment. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And when we begin to trust in other avenues and fads, apparently what Alexander had done here Trusted it, gone to trust in something other. And not just did it, but began to stand against and preach against that which Paul taught. He didn't just move away and join someone else, but he began to withstand Paul. Paul says, I want to get through this special part here with six minutes left. At my first answer, my defense, no man stood with me. Now that's, that's, that's painful. That's painful. All the people that had been with Paul, all the people that had been in ministry with Paul, no one was there to stand with him. But all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Then in verse 17, a great comfort and powerful remarks by the Apostle Paul. Notwithstanding, that means nevertheless, in spite of all that, the Lord stood with me. Hallelujah. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you know precisely what Paul was feeling here at least to some degree. The Lord has been able to bring you back to faith and grace, back to a focus of Calvary. And all those that you just knew would love to hear this and come out of the bondages that they're in as well, come out of the false ways that they're traveling, not a one of them has come out. All those you had wrote down, even if it was in your own mind, uh, you, well, this is going to be, man, the Lord has shown me these great things. I can't wait to tell it. And there you stood at the end of the day all alone. I know what he's talking about here. I probably don't know the degree that Paul was experienced because I'm not in jail. I'm not on trial. I'm, I, I, I hadn't been forsaken by all men. 
But to some degree, everyone who comes back to the narrow way of God's righteousness, which is the way of the cross and faith in that alone, is going to experience, not from the world, but from the world that's infiltrated some of those, most of those in the church today. And when it comes time to stand your ground, many times you're going to be finding yourself standing there all alone. Notwithstanding, nevertheless, in spite of all these things, Timothy, the Lord stood with me. How do I know? Because he says, he strengthened me. He showed up when I needed him to. That... Now, I want you to get this. We don't have long, but I want us to see this today. The Lord stood with me, and He strengthened me. He, He didn't just show up and make Paul feel good. Watch very carefully. The Lord stood with me, and He strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known. That even while standing alone and being forsaken, the Lord came and stood by Paul, strengthened Paul, that he might continue to preach. And that it might be fully known and that all Gentiles might hear. Oh, I be one of them. Hallelujah. I be one of them. There's been countless millions and millions and millions of Gentiles who've heard the gospel and even in these last days are learning how to live the gospel. Hallelujah. According to the word of the gospel. Glory to God. Because the Lord showed up when Paul was all along and forsaken, stood by and strengthened him. Not that he might feel good about himself, but that he might continue to preach the gospel so that all Gentiles might hear. And he says here at the end of verse 17, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. I believe this is concerning that one who goes around about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He roared at the apostle Paul, you're all alone. Nobody believes this that you believe. you. They've all forsaken you. You might as well throw in the towel too. Paul heard that roar of the lion, but Paul called on the Lord. You call on the Lord. Paul had already learned that in his infirmities and weaknesses and all trials and temptations that God's grace is sufficient, that God's strength would be made perfect in his weakness. Hallelujah. And that's what you'll learn if you cling to that nail-scarred hand. That's what you'll find happening in your daily life in experience. Hallelujah. Not if you go and do these things, but if you simply cling to that nail-scarred hand, realize that Jesus loved me so much, he died for me. He represented me to such a perfect degree and example there at Calvary that God saw His Son dying for me and representing me to the point that my faith even brought me into the very death of Jesus. And I was buried and put away with Him. And when He came out of that grave, glory, hallelujah, there I was with Him raised to newness of life. And today, today, right now, the opportunity, the only opportunity that I have 
have today, while it is today, I will hear his voice and not harden my heart. And I will say that I died with Jesus. I was buried with him. I reckon myself again today to be dead indeed unto that old sin nature. But yet I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave his life for me. Hallelujah. And I'm going to share and preach and teach that glorious gospel. And I hope that you join me. I hope that you'd stay the course that God set you on. This path of righteousness He brought you into. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep this faith. Keep this faith. It's the only faith that'll carry you through everything and get you across that finish line. Hallelujah. God bless you. What a time we've had today. Right now, just believe God for that healing in your body, that restored relationship. Believe God for that open door in ministry because He's going to do something today in your life because today is all we really have now. Faith is. Right now, faith is. Father, bless them. Open the doors. Touch those physical bodies. Drive out those lying spirits of infirmity today in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. I hope you've been blessed and encouraged and that the word of the Lord has been able to pierce through some of the cloudy and hazy places that surround our hearts at times. I pray that you would be encouraged to keep running this race. Don't forget to pray for us to be a blessing to, to this ministry. And we don't need all the, the, the things we think we need, but what we do need is other people coming on board, locking arms with us to help us run this race. And we ask God to stir your hearts, not only with the truth of His Word concerning victory and life and grace and, and how, to, how to make it when nobody else is, it seems to be enduring sound doctrine, but we ask God to stir your heart to be a blessing financially to this ministry where you're hearing the truth and growing and finding true life in the words of life that God has given us in the Bible. And you can sow into this ministry at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can type the word give. You can text the word give to the number 903-231-5950. It's not about our need for finances. It's about you sowing into good ground that you might reap. When you sow into where the gospel's being taught, preached, and warned against everything that's not the gospel, you're going to find yourself right in the middle of a move of God. You're going to find yourself reaping the blessings of what you've sown. So sow into good ground wherever the Lord's telling you to sow, where they're preaching the message of the cross, there is where you're going to reap. And I thank you again for all of those of you who do support us in prayer, in ministry, in the giving of your finances. And we just ask the Lord's blessing upon you in the name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.